Hello there, Richmondites, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Rhett Bartlett, the club historian. This episode uncovers a forgotten piece of Tigerland history. In 1966, the under-19s finished the home and away season in third place. The reserves went through the season undefeated and finished on top. But all that changed on August the 30th, 1966, when it was discovered that Richmond had played an unregistered player throughout the season. As a result, the under-19s were docked 28 premiership points, kicked out of the final series, and dropped to 7th place. The reserves were docked 12 premiership points, but only dropped to 2nd place. The player in question was Frank Lochran. And some 55 years later, he explains what happened. In uh, 66, I'd just left St Pat's College Sale, playing for St Pat's College, and... Um, moved to Melbourne and I got, uh, actually I got a message through my older brother Peter who had played uh, five years and 50 odd games for the Tigers that uh, Graham Richmond had invited me to uh, training. Um, so I went down and did some um, pre-season training. Um, I'd moved to Melbourne, I was um, uh, taking up a job as a computer operator and um, so I uh, did pre-season with the Tigers and um, the team lists come out after pre-season training and I was on the supplementary list, which I suppose is like the rookie list now. Uh, and um, I played played the season in the under-19s, played a few reserves games. I think I played three or four reserves games during that first year. And, um, and then uh, things went a little bit downhill. Just, I'll just frame it for some people who will be listening to this. The, the, the thirds, the under-19s or the thirds as they were known, um, yeah. finished... Oh. We, just, we just scraped into the finals, Rhett. We started uh, fairly slow, but then we sort of had the inclusion of blokes like um, Royce Hart and <laughs> Derek Pearden and that. And uh, we finished with a real rush. I think we won our last six or seven games to get into the finals and um, um, yeah and we beat I think oh, I'm not sure who were premiers that year but we beat we beat everyone and we beat the premiers in the last game of the year by five or six goals yeah. so we were coming on very strong and um, just on the Monday night before the we would have been the first semi I finished I think we finished third um, the Crow Valley League objected to my permit to play with the Tigers because uh, I hadn't got a clearance from St Pat's College sale. So um, um, I went to tribunal and um, the Tigers' thirds lost. I think I played in about seven winning games and I played in about three or four Mm-hmm. Winning games in the reserves. Well, the reserves were undefeated, and unfortunately, they only dropped from first to second and, and still won the flag. But um, it was a bit sad because I believe they would have been a, the only second reserve sides in the history of the VFL to go through undefeated. So what happens is the, the under-19s lose 28 points. They yeah. have 28 points taken away from them, and effectively they're kicked out of the finals. 
That's um, right. Yep. And the reserves lose 12 points, which yep. only drops them down to second place, would you believe? <laughs> yes. they yep. were undefeated. Yep. <laughs> which is incredible. And they would, I think they go on to win the flag as well. Yes, they certainly did. I actually went to the... Um, the 50-year reunion um, of the Reserves Premiership. Uh, well, what would that be? That would, uh, 2016. And how was that yeah. for you, Frank? Uh, yeah, okay. Johnny Nix was a bit cool towards me. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. What, who was who was coach of the Reserves? Johnny Nix, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was there still a little bit bubbling underneath the surface there, Frank? Uh, no, no. They were all pretty happy about it. I think they understood, um, like, when I made the supplementary list, I went to Graham Richmond and I said, Graham, see, I've made the supplementary list, which means I'm obviously going to play in the under-19s at least. Um, I haven't signed a clearance. And he said, you don't need a clearance, Frank. You're only a schoolboy footballer, and um, which I was. I was playing for some Pats. But we were playing in the Latrobe Valley third 18 competition. So I was a schoolboy footballer playing in... A registered competition so um, I said well in that case I've got to sign a registration form Graham and he said no don't worry about it, Frank it's all fixed up <laughs> so I don't know what Graham had done but um, well when the shit hit, yeah let me let me uh, I had a chat to Slug Jordan about 10 years 15 years ago yep oh actually yep. 2012 and he spoke about you. What he said was, yeah. he said, we used to play these kids in the thirds to have a look at them. They weren't in our area. Uh, we won our last six or seven pretty easily with Rex Hunt at full forward, Royce Hart at centre half forward, Daryl Cumming, Graham Bond. He says, I got caught in 1966. South Melbourne found out we played an illegal player called Frankie Lochran who played down at Sale. In those days, you had to get a permit for the kid to come up and play. And Graham thought that was too much worry. We used to bring a kid up, then we assessed him, you know, looks good, tall, quick enough, kicks the ball well. Rather than have him train, we used to play him, and we used to play guys under different names. Yeah, no, that's not what happened with me. All no. a bit of a worry, I think, uh, according to Graham. <laughs> Paperwork. <laughs> you've, got, you've got to realise that uh, in the 60s and 70s, uh, Graham Richmond was the Donald Trump of the VFL, mate. You know, he was, he was a law unto himself, Graham. But um, he threw me under the bus a bit when um, when um, the league actually lodged the protest about me playing. Um, I went into Richmond on the Monday night and um, spoke to him, and he said, "Oh well, this is what's happened. You know, we're going to claim that you're just a schoolboy footballer." Right. And I said to him, "But, but Graham, I, I told you I needed a clearance." Because to play for St. Pat's, I did a clearance from one thaggy thirds. You know, when I went from one thaggy, I was just I was a boarder at St. Pat's from yeah. one thaggy, so I had to get a clearance from one thaggy to play with St. Pat's. So I obviously had to get a clearance from St. Pat's to play with Richmond. But uh, he said he'd um, fixed it all up, and I said I told you that, Graham. You know, and he said, well, Ray Dunn and I are fronting the hearing tonight. We'll pick you up at seven o'clock. I said, oh, okay. So they never, ever turned up. And I read in the paper the next morning where Richmond and I had pleaded guilty <laughs> and I wasn't even there. So um, Graham saved a fair bit of face there. Um, he told me that um, 
they've done exactly the same with a boy called Morris Deary, who played a few games for, for Richmond and um, was from St. Pat's College. Morrie Deary, and, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morrie was a good friend of mine at school. He told me he'd done the same with him, and he told me that he knew that Melbourne had never, ever got a clearance for Johnny Townsend, who um, turned out to be a super player for Melbourne, won a couple of Melbourne best and fairest, and I think he kicked five or six goals in uh, one of the semi-finals or something like that. Mm. So he, I don't know whether he brought up those things at uh, the hearing, but anyway, we were we were completely um, uh, all the winning games I played in. We were disqualified, and the reserves lost those those points, which which was all a bit sad, just for the sake of signing a clearance. Um, I'm not sure who those other boys were that um, Ray was talking about, but I wasn't one of them. Um, I was living in Melbourne. I'd moved to Melbourne. I was living in Melbourne. I was living in Paran. Um, my oldest brother, as I said, played 50-odd games with the seniors. Um, a year or two before me, there was another brother, Mick, that played a couple of years in the under-19s. So oh, yeah. we, we had an association with the Tigers, so uh, I just went down and trained and, mm. as I said, made the uh, supplementary list. But it was all a bit sad um, because we were absolutely flying and um, Slug was hell-bent on winning a flag that year because um, he he certainly knew that he wasn't going to keep Royce the next year yeah, um, and possibly Rex. Um, as a matter of fact, there, there was a story, and I reckon it's correct. One day we were playing at Punk Road, and the seniors were playing at um, the MCG. And for no apparent reason, uh, you know, Royce was sort of in control of the game, as he was every week. And Ray Jordan took him off the ground, and it was a pretty tight game, and we won and after the game, everyone said, what the bloody hell's going on? You know, are you crook, Royce? And no, nothing wrong with me. No, I don't know what's going on. But it turned out that at three-quarter time, Johnny Nixon, one of his selectors, had come across from the MCG to divert about Royce and to watch him play on, with the intention of pinching him to play in the reserves. And bloody slug didn't want him to have a look at him. So <laughs> He wanted to keep him for himself. So, um, you know, Trying, looking for success for himself at that stage, Slug. But um, anyway, yeah. I think, uh, yeah. How, how old are you in 1966, Frank, at, when, the, when all this happens? 17. So how does that affect you mentally? Well, I do remember the next year um, I played um, an early reserves game. And... Um, I copped a fair bit of flack from um, when I played in the reserves. I played on the wing. I copped a fair bit of flack from some of the Richmond supporters. You know? Did you really? You know, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, which surprised me a bit, and you know that did affect me a bit. But um, did you well, have did you I, have someone at the time who you sort of turned to, you know, for advice or guidance? Seeing you're only a teenager. No, not really. No. No, um, I was living uh, in a flat with my brother Mick and a couple of his friends. So, yeah. They were all, all country boys. No, just sort of had to push on. Um, 
uh, I suppose it wasn't much different from me being at boarding school where you where you sort of don't have your family and friends beside you all the time. And you probably learn to cope with um, situations when your family's not around. Um, but I was, yeah, I, I was sort of labelled. And, and, and every now and then I go back to past players thing, things and that's all I seem to be remembered for was um, getting them rubbed out. But um, but the, the next year, you know, we weren't out of trouble. We went in earlier. Again, I I did pre-season, and again, I was on the supplementary list. Mm. And so I went in and signed the clearance with Graham Richmond this time. And look at me, dead if the Latrobe Valley don't all of a sudden decide that they wanted a $500 transfer fee for every player that comes out of Latrobe Valley into uh, the VFL. Gee. And uh, it had never been heard of before. Like, everyone knew money was changing hands in those days for players and that, but um, I do believe that uh, that was the very first time that um, uh, open uh, transfer fee had been asked for. You know? So uh, that was... Another bit of a setback, and probably another reason those Richmond supporters give me a hard time. What was the outcome? Uh, of, what was the outcome of that? Can I ask? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I've, I've got my clearance eventually come through a week or so later. All oh, right. I've I've got an idea that uh, the VFL might have stood um, stepped in and just said to the Travelli, "I think you should pull your head in," you know. Um, you know, money's been changing hands for years, and um, uh, I, I, that's what I think happened. But Graham Richmond never ever said to me, "I'm, I'm sure they weren't going to pay five hundred dollars for me." Five hundred dollars in nineteen sixty-seven was probably a, a lot of money. But the funny thing was, I was allocated two jumpers, of course, one on the under nineteens list and one on the reserves list or the senior list, and. Um, they couldn't have been further apart, Rat. In the under nineteens I was number one. And on the senior list I was number fifty five. <laughs> so 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 I don't know how you look at football numbers, but uh, some people would say I was the best player in the under nineteens and the worst player in the seniors. But uh, <laughs> That's one way to look at it, isn't it? Some people yeah. do, do look at numbers that way actually. <laughs> no, they used to in the old days, but anyway, um, yeah, so um, well, did you I, play? Did you play against the seniors team in in preseason games? Or play yeah, with yeah, them? I played. Yeah, I played in. Um, How'd you go? Played in the senior practice. Yeah, all right. Um, actually, '67 was interesting. Um, that was the first year. Um, Royce uh, was uh, on the senior list. Um, I think he was on the supplementary list in '66 uh, and '67. We played a practice match over at um, what do they call it, Gosh's Paddock, across the mm-hmm. across the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I played in the centre. Uh, I think I played on Tony Jewell, and um, Royce was playing centre half forward in my side. It was possibles versus probables or something like that. That's right. And um, of course, I played all the year before with Ro- with Royce, and any time I got the ball, I just have a quick look to see which way he was going and kick it 10 metres in front of him and he got it 95% of the time. I remember um, I was I got a few kicks in the first quarter and 
Royce kept marking them, and uh, Tony Jewell says to me, uh, you'll never play senior football at Richmond, mate. You know, uh, you keep kicking the ball wide like that. And uh, I felt like saying to him, yeah, but uh, kicking it to Royce Hart, I've got to kick it in front of him because he, he'll win it every time. And then a few years later, I noticed Tony Jewell kicking it to Royce Hart, and he was kicking it way out in front of him so he could run and mark and kick. Uh, but um, You learned uh, that from uh, you, Frank. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, but um, yeah, but that's what you did. Royce was that good. You kicked the ball in front of him, and give him a chance to run at it, you know. Yeah. And uh, he he was he was a fantastic player in the under nine. He's very quiet, unassuming, but um, mm. he did have we had a bloody good um, under nineteen side. There was Rex and Royce, Graham Bond, uh, Derek Pearden. Daryl Cumming, all blokes that uh, played senior footy. Yeah. yeah. You had you you mentioned earlier that there might be a, a Slug Jordan story you wanted to say. Was a um, a real shock to me to, to go from being coached by brothers at St Pat's to being coached by Slug. You know his oh, uh, his, his aggression and his colourful language and that um, was unbelievable. So um, the, one of the very first games I played was against Essendon. I was playing against... I was picked to play on Les Stillman. You know Les Stillman? He was a good footballer and played cricket for Victoria, coached Victoria, played cricket for South Australia, very good footballer. Mm. And um, I was playing on Les Stillman, picked to play on Les Stillman, and Ray Jordan just said to me before the game, Frankie Lochran, Les Stillman will be way too good for you. I want you to knock him out at the first bounce. I said, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, I want you to knock him out at the first bounce. Jesus, I knew nothing about knocking people out. I come from St. Pascoli Sale. I didn't know what to do. So they they bounced the ball, and I was just that lucky. I thought, I'll, I'll run through him. I'll shirt from him. And the ball went a bit crooked, and it hovered right over Les Stormont's head. And he had to stand there and put his hands in the air to catch the ball. And I uh, got up at a, you know, half a dozen steps, and I nailed him right up the middle. The ball fell into my hands, I kicked it down to full forward, Rex Hunt pulled it down, kicked the goal, we had a goal within 20 seconds, Les Stillman's in the hands of the trainers, he's got blood nose, oh, I think, oh, how good this, you know, I've got out of that all right. The next thing, <laughs> Kevin Rowe, the runner's pulling me on the jumper and says, Jordan says, if you don't do it and do it properly, you're off the ground. <laughs> I thought, Jesus, <laughs> what have I got myself into here? <laughs> Shirt front wasn't in his book of rules. He really wanted me to belt him. He was all about um, aggression. Yep. And um, he was always testing you. And I think mm. that's why that's why he um, that's why he turned out so many league footballers. I reckon is because he pushed you that hard, and some kids could take it, and some kids couldn't. And that's where they where you. First of all, got a bit of a hard edge about you, right? And um, you know, you could cop it and still keep going. So I think that's where that was Slug's biggest value, you know, um, putting you under pressure, keeping you under pressure, and if you responded, you were a footballer in his team. You know, so yeah. So how does that compare with, say, Johnny Nix's style? Oh, John, John was perfect gentleman. Yeah, gentleman, John. Yes. <laughs> 
John spoke well and he was everyone's friend and you know, if you saw John coming, you know, you knew he had just some bit of advice for you, but um if you saw a slug coming towards you, you knew you're going to cop an earful. You know, it was <laughs> com- completely different. Completely different. Um, yeah. And then we and get to the se- you get to the seniors, and then you got uh, Tommy. So you would have did Tommy coach you a couple of times in those practice games and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Tommy was pretty good. He had just come from Shepparton too. Yeah, yeah. He um, he had the hard edge about him as well. Um, Tommy, I found was. Uh, Work hard for Tommy, and he'd support you. You know, yeah. uh, you didn't didn't have to be a superstar, but if you gave your all for him, uh, and I mean on the training track as well, I did a lot of training with the seniors and that. Um, he he pushed you, and if you responded, you know, he had time for you. You had that computer job at the time. Um, well, nowadays we think of computers as something completely different. What was it back then? Oh. Uh, Computers were in their infancy in those days. Um, uh, a computer, uh, the cost of a computer in those days was about a million dollars. Um, and it was in, uh, I don't know how big a house yeah. you've got, but um, the computer room was as big as uh, a, a house. Yeah. Um, that was all dust-free, um, you know, um, uh, you had to be careful with uh, no dust, and it was fully air conditioned, and mm. you know it was. Um, and so, for in 1966, I did 12 months and was fairly competent at the end of 1966 as a computer operator. And um, bigger and bigger companies in Melbourne were buying computers and just thinking that their account would be able to run them. And that wasn't the case. Um, the accountants could give you the uh, information and tell you the results they wanted, but then it'd be up to you to process the information. Um, and I, I started working at nights at the start of 67 for other companies who had bought computers and didn't have anyone to run them. Firms like Main Nicholas, Mm. Uh, Felton Textiles, AMP, went out and bought computers, didn't have anyone to run them. So I was going in in the evenings and training their operators. But five or six weeks later, when they become reasonably confident, confident or competent, another firm would pinch them because they didn't have um, operators. And it was was just crazy. So... um, I, uh, by mid-67, I was starting to struggle with work and football. Um, Graham Richmond was fairly understanding. I was able to go down um, uh, during the day. Mm-hmm. If I Sometimes if I had an afternoon off, and I'd go down during the day and train at Richmond. It became, became a bit hard. Um, very hard, but um, anyway, I, sixty-seven. I had, I did have a good year in the under nineteens. Uh, played all year. Uh, again, played about four games in um, in the reserves. Now, uh, Victoria played Western Australia in uh, um, in a state match, 
and originally they were going to they put six VFL teams together. I think there was Collingwood, Carlton, Richmond, Fitzroy, Essendon, uh, North Melbourne, the northern sort of clubs against the other six clubs and they picked an under-19 side from each six clubs and they were going to play the curtain raiser to mm. Victoria, Western Australia. But um, I was picked to play in the centre in that, but they cancelled that mm. and um, Richmond just played Carlton in the um, in the curtain raiser to that game. Uh, so I played in the centre. Um, Carlton had some good players in the under-19. Um, Bruce Stool, Philip Pennell, Robert Walls, good Carlton names that um, played in the under-19s in that match. Um, I've still got the the interstate, uh, the record there somewhere. So, yeah, Royce actually got a game as full forward oh, right. uh, as a 17-year-old for Victoria. Yeah, he played, I think I read somewhere he played eight or nine games. Um, and the week before, I think he kicked seven goals on Wes Lofts or something like that. So he was picked in the interstate side, which was sensational. 67, as I said to you, computers work got pretty hectic and on a few occasions when I couldn't train on Monday night, I'd go down Monday afternoon and um, and uh, have a run. You know, like blokes like uh, Barry Stanton was always there to put you through some gym work. Um, Bill Baromeo? Bill Baromeo might be down there to put you through some running uh, and the Always seemed to be someone there to have a bit of a kick with, and um, and uh, yeah, you could go down and have a, a good solid training session, and and not be just on your own, left to your own devices. So anyway, one I'm pretty sure it was a Monday. I uh, went down there, and it's getting on in the year, certainly in the second half of the year. And down at Richmond, there they've got the World of Sport Championship kick on. I don't know if you're old enough to remember that. Your dad certainly would. Um, every week they'd have four or five players from different clubs and they'd have to kick kick from the 50-metre mark, try and kick a goal and mm-hmm. kick right foot, left foot and then an angle shot. And then they had a big target board where you had to kick a stab pass you know, through the target. Mm-hmm. And anyway, it was on Channel 7. And anyway, of course, they had... Uh, the quarterfinals, and then half an hour later they had the semi-finals, and then they had the grand final. And I was there, and I was actually out with them. And I'm, when they had their shots of goal, and that, and I'm kicking the balls back, you know. So maybe five or six weeks later, I'm home at the local footy club. I had a run with them on a Sunday morning, and they have their Sunday barrel, and I go in the rooms, and they're watching the tally. And, of course, the grand final of the World of Sport Championship kicks on the tally. And they all think it's live. <laughs> and they run a sweep, pick the winner. And I'm thinking, how yeah, good's this? I was there at six weeks ago. You know, it's not live. Not live. I didn't say it to anyone. So I knew Bobby Skilton had won it. Bobby Skilton had a bit of a sore ankle, and he actually kicked right foot. He was a left footer, Bobby Skilton. He actually kicked right foot and won the World of Sports Championship kick. It was unbelievable. And he stabbed past 
through the target, through the bullseye, right foot. <sighs> and he won it. So everyone puts in their $2 and whoever picked the winner shared the pool. So I put in me $2 and picked Bobby Skilt. That's <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, like getting the Sporting Globe, Saturday night Sporting Globe on Saturday morning and seeing the race results, yeah? <laughs> so, so um, yeah, but I did get a bit nervous at one stage because uh, I did notice I'm watching the telly and as Bruce Andrew was one of the uh, judges, as he held up seven for someone, you know, a score of seven, he could just see me over his shoulder. <laughs> but no one noticed, so thank goodness. So, but it was a very small win, but uh, I often laugh about that. Uh, goodness gracious, yeah. Did they ever catch uh, on in the end, uh, Frank? What was going no, on? No, no, no. But <laughs> few years, few, few years later, um, I actually went and played for them uh, in 1970. Uh, by '70, I was married, and the wife was a country girl, so we actually moved back to Wanthaggy, and I played. Uh, uh, actually. 70, yeah, played for one taggy and we won a premiership and we were in zone to Hawthorne at that stage. And um, after the game, uh, after the grand final, uh, I won the Hawthorne Award and they uh, actually got in touch with me, invited me down to do a pre-season at Hawthorne. But um, I'd uh, had enough of uh, the city and league football in those days. But I, I, I would have liked, to have found out whether you were good enough to do it or not, but um, you know it just didn't work out. I just had a hurdle everywhere I went. I just in 1967 when we had the good year, and we got we got through um, to the second semi. We played a draw in the second semi um, against Footscray, and um, at training the next week I rolled my ankle and missed the rest of the year so I missed out on actually playing in that grand final win but um, Slug did put, I was on crutches grand final day, Slug did put me down as an emergency Right. Um, and I wasn't in the team photo either because I was laid up, um, they had the team photo done on the Wednesday night before the grand final uh, yeah the grand final was played at Skinner Reserve because after that we were running a week behind the AFL. Right. Yeah, we didn't play extra time or anything. We actually had to replay next week. Oh, right. Yeah. And so the the under-19s ran a week behind the, the seniors. And uh, the grand final, I've got no idea if Fitzroy came from nowhere and uh, made the grand final and the Tigers only just beat them. Mm. But... Um, so your time at Richmond yeah. was what? Your time at Richmond was from 66? 66? Yeah. I played in six, 66 and 67. I was on the sub-leagues both years. I started pre-season in 68. And um, early in the new year, I went to Graham Richmond. I said, look, Graham, I don't... I, I just can't handle it. You know, I'm, and, you know, with the work and things like that. And he... He asked me if there's any chance I could get another job. And he told me, uh, which was a bit of a feather in the cap for me, he told me that um, Tommy Hafey had me um, labelled to take over Bull Richardson's job, Matthew's dad, um, as an in-and-under player, you know, getting the ball out, hand-passing it out. 
to um, um, you know your teammates. So um, and he asked me if I could get another job, um, and I, I wouldn't. I, my job was fantastic. So mm. um, early '68, I just said to him, "Well, you know, I, I'm sorry, Graham, I can't do it." And he just said, "Well, take another month or so, and if you if you can find a way, you know, we want you back." You know, we've earmarked you for Bull Richardson's position. I think Bull was probably 28, okay. um, 28, 29, maybe been 30. So, uh, but anyway, it didn't work out. Didn't work out. Yeah. GR had a particular way of talking, didn't he, Frank? He certainly did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, were you one? Were you one of those people who, in years later, would impersonate him when you would talk about him? <laughs> You know what I mean. Graham, Graham Richmond was the bloke that uh, uh, spoke to you but didn't listen to you. <laughs> you know, when he had something to say to you, you already made up his mind. You know, um, but, you know, um, it was strong administration and um, he was very successful for a while. Um, just uh, unfortunately, it got all out of hand with all that Collingwood stuff. And, you know, it was... Tragedy, tragedy. And your your yeah. brother Peter Lockeren, sorry, is he still with us or not? Yep, yep. Peter is. Uh, How's he going? He's he turns eighty in about two weeks. Good on him. And he fit fit as a fiddle, going well. Ah, going must have been well. all those uh, must have been all those Bill Romeo sprint runs that made him uh, fit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I trained a fair bit with your dad. I was a bit of a, a sprinter. I trained a fair bit with your dad with. Um, Bill Baromeo, he, he was a lovely man, Bill. And that was at Punt um, Road that you would do those sprints? Yep, yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was um, at the end of the year and over summer. You know, we'd uh, we we do uh, professional athletics training. Um, I never ran professionally. Your dad did, and mm. some of the other well, Graham Bond did. Yeah, uh, Derek Pe- did. Derek Pearden ran professional. Derek Pearden, yeah, mm. Derek. Yeah, I think Daryl Cumming might have done a little bit of professional running. Um, so but, who, uh, who was I, I, who was quick? Who do you remember as being the quicks? The quicks. Um, well, <laughs> um, I think I think I could beat them all. Um, Good. Uh, boasting, yeah. but um, no, I was a bit of a schoolboy athlete at St Pat's and uh, won a couple of Catholic colleges sprint events and things like that. At school, I was a better uh, two hundred and twenty yard sprinter, but. With training from Bill Baromeo, I was pretty ordinary off the off the mark. Um, Bill Baromeo, after half a dozen sessions, you know, improved my um, starting uh, ability no end. Yeah, uh, He tried. He wanted me. He wanted to smoke me into a few gifts yeah. and things like that. But every weekend I went home. I was a bit of a surfer in those days. I couldn't wait to get out of Melbourne and get to the surf. I, I know he was a bit disappointed a few times. Frank, I should say on behalf of all the Richmond supporters, thank you for coming down from the country to Tigerland, um, for helping out in the, the thirds and the reserves. Um, you were right, there were a few hurdles in front of you, it seems, but you kept on going, didn't you? You didn't stop. No, no, no. Well, uh, yeah, I love me footy, and um, I, I really enjoyed my work. You know, it was... Uh, it was a pioneer profession in those days, computers. So, um, uh, yeah, I really love my work. And unfortunately, 
I had to uh, make a decision. But, you know, it seems strange. Two years later, I make another decision that family's more important than both football and work. So, um, yeah, hopefully I got my priorities right. And that was my conversation with Frank Lochran, who, as a teenager, through no fault of his own, was caught up in a huge administrative bungle that has followed him around for over half a century. We should remind everyone, too, that Frank actually played as a reserve the following year in Richmond's 1967 Under-19s Premiership. So many thanks to Frank for taking the time and talking about what would have been then and I guess still is now a difficult, frustrating experience. I'll catch you all on the next podcast. Until then, eat them alive, Tigers. Yellow and black.